I greet you in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. As you can tell by the video, we're in the middle of a three Sunday sermon series on tough talk. And last Sunday, the focus was on tough talk with ourselves and Dr. Bill Jones gave us excellent guidance in how to relate to our Lord Jesus and ourselves with tough talk. And then today I'm focused on how to relate to other people with tough love and tough talk. And then next Sunday, our focus will be on relating to God with tough talk. The scripture lesson for today is from the fourth chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, beginning with the 25th verse. And if you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. St. Paul wrote, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Lord have mercy. That's not in the scripture. I just wanted to add that. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That, my friends, is the word of God for the people of God. Please be seated and let us pray. <clears throat> Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Give us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. Most of us try very hard to avoid confrontations and disagreements with other people. We really do love peace and harmony. And back before the virus and hopefully after the virus, uh, we believe that with enough words of kindness and hugs, we can solve almost any interpersonal problem. But I think the Lord would say to us today, I appreciate your kindness, your tender hearts, your love of peace. But if you're going to love with my kind of love, you've got to learn what tough love is. And sometimes you must express it in words. Now, as I look back across the years, I have been the recipient of numerous doses of tough love through tough words. When I was a teenager in Lee County, South Carolina, my friends and I 
drove much too fast. Back in those days, you could get your license the day you turned 15. And not too many miles away was the Darlington 500 Speedway. And I think those stock car drivers influenced us. We drove much too fast. I could identify with the teenager who sent this Father's Day card to his dad. And it said this, Dad, everything I ever learned, I learned from you, except one thing. The family car will do 110. Now, Papa had a new Pontiac back in those days, and it would fly. And uh, on the occasions when he let me use it, I wound it out pretty well. I don't know how Papa knew that I was mishandling his car, but he figured it out. And one day he sat down with me and he said this, son, I'm not going to let you use my car anymore. I don't think you are mature enough to handle it. I was shocked and deeply offended. I had some social plans in mind that involved his car. I was deeply offended. And then after Papa allowed that message to sink in, he said, uh, how would you like to own a car of your own? He said, I know that you've saved up some money from your part-time jobs and I'm willing to go shopping with you and I will match your, what you pay. I'll pay half the price of a car and I will pay the insurance until such time as you have a traffic offense. At that point, you will have to pay your insurance. And he said, let me know when you're ready to go shopping. Soon we went shopping and we bought an old clunker whose top speed was 65. The incredible thing was what a different attitude I had toward my car than I had toward Papa's car. I kept my car washed, even shined, and I wouldn't let people throw trash in it. I never treated Papa's car that way. Do you suppose Papa knew that that would happen? You see, Papa's tough talk and withdrawal of his car, that was an administration of tough love, tough words, and who knows, it might have saved my life. Sometimes the language of tough love is about matters much more important than cars. So it was for a friend of mine in Memphis, the Reverend Dr. Jim Netters, a distinguished pastor of Mount Vernon Baptist Church. Jim shared in an interview with the newspaper there the awesome and difficult struggles he had with his three children about illegal drugs. At one time or another, each of those three kids was hooked on crack cocaine. And Jim Netters told me about the most difficult thing he ever had to do in his life. It was in regard to his youngest daughter. At that time, she was 18 years old. He called her to his office one day and he said, Dear, I have asked you repeatedly to stay away from illegal drugs and you have failed me every time. 
Now I'm going to give you a tough choice. You must either enter a 90-day residential program for drug treatment or you must leave our house. It's your choice. Well, she was deeply offended and very angry. She said, that just proves you don't love me. I don't want to stay in your house anymore. Dr. Netter stood his ground. He said, all right, if you feel that way, pack your things and leave, and you cannot come back until you agree to enter the treatment program. He said the hardest thing he ever had to do in his life was to watch that girl leave with her suitcase, not even knowing where she would spend that night. But by the grace of God and that tough talk, all three of the Netter's children conquered that drug habit and are now faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. God's grace and tough talk. St. Paul's fourth chapter in his letter to the Ephesians is a kind of instruction kit in tough love and tough talk. And he offers four admonitions there that are appropriate for family, for church, and indeed for all meaningful relationships. The first guideline is this, stop lying. Stop lying. That seems so basic, doesn't it? St. Paul writes, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Don't communicate falsehood. We shouldn't communicate it either by word or by silence. Don't back up Junior's made up excuse for wanting to miss an examination at school. Don't back up your spouse's claim that he's sick, but when he really wants to spend a day away from work at fishing. Now, most tender-hearted folks try very, very hard to avoid confrontations, disagreements. For example, when there's tension in a marriage, and there often is, one spouse may say to the other, what's wrong? And often that other spouse, who is either pouting or passive aggressive, might respond, nothing. Well, that's a lie. Yes, there's a problem. If it's ignored, it might become bigger. When a couple practices deception and dishonesty, they cut away at the basic trust that should be at the heart of every good marriage. If you are a supervisor and you give a positive job evaluation to an employee, even though you know there are deficiencies there, but let's suppose you reason to yourself, well, I hate to write him up on those things. It might cause us to have a confrontation. It might reduce the size of his salary increase. So I'll just skip it. No, no, no. You're telling a lie if you skip it. You really aren't doing a favor for the employee and certainly not for the company. You owe that person honesty. Suppose you're visiting your mother and in recent months, she, had, she has made suggestions to your wife about the rearing of your children and that's beginning to get on your wife's nerves. If your mother says to you, I hope Jane doesn't mind the little hints I'm giving in regard to the children, you shouldn't smile and say, oh, Jane doesn't mind a bit. She appreciates your wisdom. 
No, that's lying. That's lying. We must be honest. Stopping falsehood is the first step in applying tough love in the words we speak. All right, here comes the second step toward tough love and tough words. Don't let anger be destructive. Don't let anger be destructive. Notice verses 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, if you're angry for some selfish reason, recognize it for goodness sakes, repent of it and ask God to cleanse you from that selfish, unworthy anger. Ungodly anger just leads to resentment. But if your anger is justified and needs to be expressed, then I want to offer a few suggestions. First of all, renew, make or renew your personal commitment to Jesus Christ. You can say words like this, Lord, you know I'm just an old sinner and I was saved when, you, when your son went to that cross and paid my penalty and rose again. And so I personally claim him as my savior and my Lord. Start with that. Then next, pray for God's guidance as you share a difficult word with another person. Because when you do that, God will not only help you express yourself well, he will prepare the other person's heart to receive the message in a responsible and a reasonable way. Choose carefully the time and place for the conversation. Obviously, you'll need a relaxed, unhurried time and some privacy. Now, dealing with anger promptly is vital in a marriage. I mean, anytime two intelligent, red-blooded adults live together in the intimacy of marriage, there are gonna be disagreements, misunderstandings. And a good marriage can handle all that. Anger is not a sin. And let me tell you, even in the best of marriages, there are gonna be times when you feel like saying, I still love you, but I sure don't like you today. Even in the best of marriages. Anger only becomes sin when it's nursed into a grudge. And therefore, especially in a marriage, it must be dealt with promptly. A young couple named Ruth and Mike had a quarrel. And Ruth was pretty sure it was Mike's fault, but she also knew he was uh, proud and stubborn and not the type to apologize. But before he left for work the next day, she slipped a note into his briefcase and it said this, I love you more than you'll ever know. I'm sorry about the trouble we're having have a blessed day. Love, Ruth. Well, he got to work and he read her note. He still couldn't bring himself to call her and apologize. But he did call the florist and have a dozen roses sent to her and she got the message. Don't think that differences and confrontations, disagreements mean that you married the wrong person. No. When marriage is anchored, to a shared faith and tough love. Any conflict can become creative. Indeed, couples discover joyously that the more anger they move out, the more room there is for love to move in. 
Here comes the third step in the language of tough love. Harness godly anger and make it serve Christ. Harness godly anger and make it serve Christ. Notice that verse 26 does not say, do not become angry. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Not all anger is sinful. Jesus himself modeled a better brand of anger. It's the unselfish anger that feels the plight of other people and cares deeply about the cause of Christ. This is righteous indignation and it's fuel for building the kingdom of God. The more we live in Christ, the more closely we are grafted into Christ, the more we will get angry about the things that anger Christ. Yes, Jesus got angry. If you've got a picture of meek and mild Jesus who never got angry, you, got, you haven't read your New Testament enough. Jesus got angry. Do you remember the time he took a whip and cleaned out the temple? Yeah, those money changers. They would have testified he was angry. Kicking over tables, waving his whip around. Yes. He was angry because they had turned a, a holy place, a place of prayer, into nothing but a, a cheap shopping bazaar. He was also angry because they were charging exorbitant prices, especially to the poor. The poor had to buy these uh, birds and animals for sacrifice, and they were getting cheated uh, by these hustlers. And that made Jesus angry, and properly so. To witness more of Jesus' anger, all you have to do is turn to Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Jesus was in the synagogue one day and uh, there was a man there with a shriveled hand. There were also some of his enemies, the Pharisees. The Pharisees may have brought the man to the synagogue who had the shriveled hand in order to put Jesus on the spot because they were hoping that Jesus would heal the guy, but healing that was considered work and work was prohibited on the Sabbath. And so they were sitting there waiting for a chance to criticize Jesus. Well, Jesus healed the man and then he was angry. He was angry because these Pharisees couldn't care less about the guy with the shriveled hand. All they cared about was finding some cause to criticize Jesus and that made him angry. We should get angry about the things that anger Christ. It ought to make us angry that some public schools in America exclude prayer, but include training about sex and marriage that contradicts the Bible. It ought to make us angry that no fault divorce in America has changed marriage to a great extent from a lifetime covenant to just another provisional contract. It ought to make us angry that the vast majority of good cops are maligned because of a few bad cops. It ought to make us angry that we pay entertainment and sports figures huge salaries while our teachers and our police are paid low salaries. If your spouse is dodging reality by escaping into alcohol abuse, that ought to make you angry. 
If your spouse is showing favoritism to one child at the expense of another child, that ought to make you angry. Now, Christian anger, proper anger, righteous indignation is not only triggered by the right cause, but it leads to constructive action. It does not just sit around and stew, nor does it explode like a hand grenade. It produces something positive. A woman named Candy Leitner got angry because a drunken driver killed her daughter. And her anger was intensified because this guy got out of jail and promptly got drunk and killed another person. Well, Candy put her godly anger to work. She founded an organization called Mothers Against Drunk Driving, MAD. And who knows how many lives have been saved by the publicity and the legislation wrought by those angry mothers. So, when you get angry, check to make sure you're angry for a proper reason, not a selfish reason. And then make it produce something positive for Christ and his kingdom. All right, here's the fourth and final guideline in tough love and tough words. Speak the truth in love, but gently. Speak the truth in love, but gently. Now, earlier in chapter four of our text, Paul wrote, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And then verse 29 says it a bit differently. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Now that, my friends, is a huge challenge. Husbands and wives should be able to tell each other the hard truth. After all, they love each other more than any other person. Unfortunately, there are some spouses who sing only the sympathizing tune to the spouse. For example, the wife might say, oh, John, that criticism from your boss was totally unfounded. It's just office politics. Well, that kind of stuff gets old pretty quickly. I mean, if the person who loves you most won't tell you the truth, who will? I mean, for example, if I preach too long, if my sermons are too long, my wife ought to tell me. You folks are probably too nice to. She ought to tell me. But she ought not to say, Bill, your sermons are so long, they're putting me to sleep. If you don't shorten them, I'm going to some other church. No, that would hurt my feelings. Something awful. She ought to say instead, honey, I know how hard you work on those sermons. And I know they're Bible-based. But honey, could you bring a little brevity maybe to the message? Somehow I think it might be more effective. Ah, that's speaking the truth, but gently. The pastor of a large church near Chicago offers these examples of speaking the truth in love, but gently. I love you so much that I can't stand by silently while you work yourself to death. I love you so much that I'm not gonna to pretend to be happy while you ruin your body by eating wrong, 
never exercising, drinking too much, and smoking. I love you so much that I have to warn you that you're not going to find what you're looking for in bars. Now, I've been blessed by some people across the years who have loved me so much that they wouldn't let me get away with much. When they caught me being dishonest or stubborn or careless, they call my hand on it. And that's called tough love. And sometimes it has to be expressed in words. When Gloria and I had been married for just a couple of years, she said to me one day, we need to talk. Now, when your spouse says that, seldom is good news coming. She sat down with me and she said, dear, I love you more than I can tell you, but your obsessive compulsiveness is driving me up the wall. You are regimenting our every day, my schedule and yours. When we take a brief vacation, which is rare, you try to plan every hour. Dear, can't you please once in a while get off a time schedule? Can you please find some space where we can relax, please? Well, that hurt my feelings a little bit. I pouted a little while, but you know, when you, you know, when you've heard the truth, it rings true. So with the help of the Lord, I said, I'm going to try to do better. And I really do believe that the Holy Spirit and Gloria kept me from having a heart attack before I was age 40. If love is real, sometimes it must be tough. The language of tough love blends truth and love. As St. Paul promised, by speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And to him be the glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, if we are to speak the truth in love, we need your help. Teach us to refrain from telling lies, e even so-called little white lies. Purge all sinful anger from our hearts. When our anger is righteous indignation, make it constructive. Never let us hammer people with the truth. Rather, let our messages blend truth and love so as to bless the recipients. This prayer we offer in the name of Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again as your ultimate Valentine to this hurting world. Amen.